Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Michelle Emerson. And Bridget Spackman, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. We are trying something new with today's episode, so y'all are going to have to tell us whether you like it or not. We're going to basically divide this episode in two, so you get almost like two mini podcasts. We're going to start by chatting about how to set boundaries during the holidays, and then we will share some simple winter party hacks. But first, let's listen to a TSH from Lisa. Lisa says, I have a teammate who always, guys, capital letters, always comes into chat during our planning block. It's often about something negative with her class or her husband. Oh, shade. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I just saw that part. And then knowing this, I will often take my stuff and hide out in another room so that she cannot distract me. The time it takes for me to pack up, find a space, get some work done, and then repack to return to my room is such a TSH. I've tried turning my lights off and hiding in my room, but she She finds me when I do that. Is it bad that I'm excited when she leaves early or is absent because I can actually get things done? This is my first year with her on my team and it's only November. Ugh. (laughs) Okay, so Lisa, first of all, no, it is not bad that you get excited when she leaves early or is absent because as you said, then you're actually getting stuff done and that's obviously a good feeling. My first question would be, have you had a conversation with her about how you need to utilize your planning time for planning so that you can get out of school on time, don't have to stay late, whatever it is? You never know. Like She may have no idea that she is that big of a distraction to you. I mean, she should know, right? Like common sense would say that she would, but some people just may not think that way. And so you got to bring it up with her. And I'm saying this as someone that does not enjoy confrontation, but you have to have that conversation with her. And I would just frame it as, hey, like I really need to utilize my planning time to get things done because X, Y, and Z. And especially with the new year coming up, I think that's the perfect time to do it because you could even frame it as like, hey, it's my new year's resolution to leave school on time. So, and say this to all of your team, it doesn't even have to be just her. During my planning time, like please only come in my room if it's an emergency or like text me, you know, you can always give them an alternative. Bridget, what are your thoughts? I think social awareness is a struggle for people. And I think you are so spot on. She may not have that social awareness to be like, oh, (laughs) this person is trying to like avoid me. Maybe I should like, I don't know, like leave them alone. So I do believe that you need to bring it up and it can be just something very relaxed and be like, listen, I really want to talk with you right now, but I just, I have to get this stuff done because I have, you know, I really want to be able to get home. Um, and just let her know that you don't have to make it awkward. It doesn't have to be mean in any way, shape or form. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to like everybody. You're not going to want to hang out with everybody. And so you just have to kind of make it known that, you know what, I'm not going to be rude to this person. I'm not going to come off like, like a bee. I'm going to be very (laughs) respectful. I'm going to be professional about it. But at the same time, like, we're not going to be BFFs, like we're not going to be best friends. And I'm not here for that. So just kind of like set those boundaries right from the very, very beginning. Yeah, Bridget, I now always think about you. That one time you said something along the lines of I'm not here to make friends. Like I'm not. I'm here to do my job. 
And I think it's a really good point. It's great if you can become best friends with some of your coworkers or bond well with them, but that doesn't have to be your goal. You know what I mean? No, it's not high school. I'm not here to try to make lifelong friendships. I have my friends. Well, friend. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I'm like, wait, who's my competition? (laughs) Okay, so let's go ahead and pivot into the episode. Bridget, do you remember growing up some of those cartoons that would have like the different segments? Like it would have a segment and then a commercial and then a segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like Tom and Jerry were really famous for this, right? Like, didn't they have multiple? That's exactly what I was thinking of. I know they have new Tom and Jerry where Tom and Jerry like talk. It's weird. It's weird. But I the don't old like that. ones, <laughs> right, they had those segments. And so you would see like one little storyline and then it would have a commercial and then you would yeah. see another one. I think also like the Christmas shows. Remember those really like old school Christmas shows? They yes. would have like the little yes. multiple segments. You would have one with like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Jack Frost. Do you know what I yes, mean? Yes, I do. I do. Those were so good. So this episode is going to be very much like having those cartoons where we have those two different segments. So as Michelle said in the beginning, we're going to start with talking about setting boundaries because listen, guys, at the end of the day, we've talked a lot about these things. We've said these things over and over and over and on the podcast. However, it's really important that we have those you know, refreshers, reminders, and this is a great time for us to remind you of some of those key pieces. And then we're going to end it with something super fun. And we're going to give you some really awesome winter party hacks. So let's go ahead and kick it off with the setting boundaries segment. And our first tip for you is to say no and to practice Mm. saying no, because it is so much harder in the moment. And I am saying (laughs) this to myself because I have not been good at this lately and it's come back to bite me. Bridget knows because I've ranted to her several times about things (laughs) that I committed to. And once I commit to something, I'm going to see it through. But in hindsight, I'm like, I should have just said no to that. And lady, you are the like queen of if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. I know. (laughs) I know. And that's why that's what I think it's a good point when you brought up that we all need these reminders because over time we can kind of become complacent and stop doing the things that we were doing before. And that is me right now with this. But I think if you have an experience like what I've had recently where you look back and you're like, man, I should have said no to that. Let that be your fuel moving forward and let it be something that you think about. And even if you tell your friends and family about it, the next time something comes up where you're like on the fence and you're like, should I say yes? Should I say no? You can literally have them remind you, well, remember that last time and you were really, you know, upset and stressed that you said yes to it. I think it's nice also to remember that you can always turn, well, not always, but it's easier to turn a yes. No, hold on. Get this right, Michelle. It's easier to turn a no into a yes than it is a yes into a no. So if you start by saying no to something, whether it's attending some kind of a party or function or volunteering for something or bringing something in, it's much easier to start with a no and then come back and say, you know what, actually I had some extra time. I'd love to come or I'd love to volunteer for this. Almost everyone is going to be like, all right, you know, great. We'd love to have you. But if you start with a yes, it can be much harder to then go back and turn it into a no. And so that's a reminder that I have to give myself. But again, it's a work in progress. (laughs) No, that is a really great reminder. Um, Just to 
kind of having that in the background. And you are so right. It is way easier to say yes than to go back and just say no because you're letting you feel like you're letting people down and then you start to kind of give yourself kind of that hate talk that we all do every once in a while. Yeah. And it's just, it, it ends up no bueno at the end of the day. Um, so the next reminder when it comes to setting boundaries that we want to give you is prioritizing self-care. Listen, there, this is like the season of giving. And as teachers, <laughs> I think we have very giving hearts and we want to give, 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 give to all the people in our lives. We want to give to our students. We want to give to our coworkers. We want to give to the families that we work with. We want to give to our own families and friends. And it can be a lot and it can be incredibly overwhelming. And so this is a reminder to don't forget to give back to yourself that even during this busy time, Make sure that you're taking out your calendar and saying, you know what, on this day, I'm not doing anything. I'm going to put some Christmas movies on. I'm going to gift wrap and I'm going to give back to myself and just have a relaxing day. You don't have to fill it with these like grandeur ideas of activities and things that you need to be doing. It can be something very small and relaxing that gives also back to you so that you can feel energized to continue to give to your students and so many other people in your life. But I feel like we often forget to to give to ourselves during this season. And um, here's your reminder. So Bridget, if you were taking one of those days, what would yeah. you be doing? Girl, I'm just, just what curious. I said. I mean, like literally I'd be in my PJs all day. I would have Christmas movies on all day. Okay. Although I feel like I've watched so many of them. Um, and I would like rap and I would have hot cocoa and I would just like have a fire. Like it would be really relaxing. So you enjoy wrapping presents? I do. I do. Okay. Do you not enjoy not wrapping presents? <laughs> no, no. It's so stressful. I do not enjoy it whatsoever. All right. Our next reminder is to then create a buffer. So if you think about in chemistry, buffers help to maintain a stable pH balance. So you can think of buffers in terms of your boundaries as the tools you can use to help you maintain your boundaries. So it's like once you've set some kind of a boundary, how do you then keep yourself in that boundary? Because that's much easier said than done. So for example, let's say you set a boundary around how much you were going to spend this holiday season. I have to tell y'all, I've been on a big like savings kick. I'm I'm very much into like shopping the sale flyer at the grocery store and using the coupons and just trying to cut back on like frivolous spending. Like that has brought me a lot of joy. You've always been a great saver. Yes. I've always been very frugal, but I think lately, I don't know. I almost see it as like a challenge. Girl, you know it's, what I mean? all, like, it's all that home ownership that you got going on there. True. True. <laughs> That's what's doing Let's it not even, you. I don't want to get into that, but <laughs> let's say that you have set a boundary around how much money you're going to spend on student gifts this year, colleague gifts, and even like friends and family members that you're buying for just all the things, right? Yep. So you have set a budget. 
Well, it's much easier to set a budget than it is to actually stick to your budget, especially with so much of our buying happening online, because I feel like it's very easy to just like order something and forget that you ordered it. Then you order more stuff and it's not the same as like using physical cash. So what you could do in order to create a buffer is you could literally take out the money you plan to spend for the gifts in cash and put it into an envelope or even divide it between envelopes. So you could have like a student envelope, a colleague envelope, and then like a friends and family envelope of how much you're going to spend on each group. Now, I don't even remember the last time I took out cash. Okay. I'm not a cash spender. I get it. So if you're like Michelle, I'm not going old school because I still need to buy stuff online. That's not going to work. Fine. You can actually open up like an extra bank account. I know this sounds like extra, but you could reuse it each year. Go to your bank, open up an additional like checking account and put in however much money you want to spend for Christmas. And then that way, when it's gone, it's gone. And it's going to make it much easier for you to stay within that boundary than it would be if you didn't have that in place and you're just putting everything on like a credit card or it's all coming out of your main account. So whatever your boundary is, just think about almost like the bumpers or like guardrails that you can put up in order to keep you in that lane, if that makes sense. I always think about like bowling and having those bumpers for little kids because we're all little kids when it comes to setting boundaries. Yeah. No, those are really great ideas. So fun fact, Michelle, did you know that I was a teller, a bank teller? I think I did know that. Okay. So when I was a bank teller, we had one of those types of accounts. It was like a, a holiday account. Ooh, and so okay. you could open up a holiday account and then we would take out like $5 or $10, however much you wanted every single week or month, however you wanted to do it. And then when you got to the holidays, you had this account that had all this money in it that you've been saving for the year. So it didn't feel like a, such a hit. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And that's what I was going to say. I know some people do save up throughout the year Mm -hmm. where they will put money into the account throughout the year, which I personally think is really, really smart. Yeah. I'm not that smart because I don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the last one we have for you is to go back to our TSH with Lisa is to communicate with your colleagues. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to have that communication and communication is one of the most challenging things when it comes to just being an adult. Sometimes we feel like when we're communicating with others that we're coming off rude or um, unprofessional, but that's not the case at all. Because you can handle these situations in a very respectful and professional way. And if you come together and say, listen, it's holiday times. I'm really wanting to prioritize my family this season. And so this this means that I'm going to have to, you know, not talk as much during the holidays. Please know that it's not because I don't want to talk to you. It's just because I'm prioritizing different things this season. And so when you have those conversations, and it's going to feel awkward, people. It always feels awkward. You're going to be nervous. You're going to be scared to like say this to somebody because you're like, oh, confrontation. It's going to be really bad and they're going to hate me. At the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, are you there to be friends with them or are you there to do your job and then go home and spend time with the people that you really want to be with? I mean, for me, it was always to spend time with my family. So communicate with your colleagues very early on, set those boundaries and just be respectful and say, you know what? I'm really sorry. I I know I really do want to listen to you. Validate what they're feeling and then say, 
but I really have to do this because of this. And so use that as like your sentence starter or your sentence frame, and then just go and do it, guys. Just kind of word vomit. (laughs) And good luck to you with that. But I promise you, you'll feel so much better at the end of the day once you do that. Um, So right now we are going to head into a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about winter party hacks. Happy December, y'all. We know this is the time of year when you're scrambling to get all the gifts for all the people in your life. And we're here to tell you, it's okay to get someone a gift card. Amen, guys. Let's just be honest. We all love a good gift card. It's simple and it allows that individual to treat themselves with what they really want or need. Exactly. So if you have any team teachers, colleagues, or friends in education that have been wanting to jump into digital planning, we've got the perfect gift idea for you. Yes, we do. We've got Teaching on the Double gift cards available that can be used to purchase any of our digital planners, digital planning stickers, or planner inserts. So head over to teachingonthedouble.com forward slash store to grab one and check that gift purchase off your list. The gift card is digital, so you can print it, email it, or find some other creative way to gift it. But for now, back to the episode. We're back, and now we are jumping into the second segment, all about winter party hacks. Now, these are hacks meant for the classroom, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be just for like a stereotypical party. I almost think about these as applying to that whole like last week leading up to winter break when you're just doing fun, different types of things. So these are little things that Bridget and I thought of where we're like, ooh, everyone needs to know this. Like if they don't know this, they need to. So the very first one, if you are wanting to do some kind of like hot chocolate with your students, whether you just want them to enjoy hot chocolate or it's going to be like a hot chocolate bar where you have different like you probably shouldn't call it a bar, but whatever, the different like mix-ins and things that you can add to it. It could be paired with a movie or if you have some kind of a winter party, it's going to be a part of that. Do not, I repeat, do not try to mix up like milk of any kind with a cocoa powder. Okay. Just don't do it. And this is coming from first year teacher, Michelle, who brought in her (laughs) crock pot, brought in a gallon of milk, and then brought in a tub of like cocoa mix. And I was trying to mix it in the crock pot and it just wouldn't, like the mix wasn't getting into the milk and it was just a clumpy mess. And it was taking forever. Mm-mm. No, nope, don't do it. Here's what you need to do instead. You can still use the crock pot. Like, I think that is a great option, but just buy a gallon or a tub or whatever of chocolate milk, okay? And then once it's heated up, it becomes your hot cocoa, but you don't need to mix the milk and the chocolate, okay? People have already done that for you. There are chocolate cows out there. Just go buy the chocolate milk, put it in the <laughs> crock pot, heat it up, and you're good to go. <laughs> Did you think chocolate milk came from chocolate cows as a kid? No. I never thought that hard about it. Okay. I was not as uh, insightful or inquisitive. Like, I just, no, no. Never thought about things like that. Okay. I digress. (laughs) I'm assuming you thought that chocolate milk came from chocolate cows. From brown cows, yes. But also, (laughs) we would make this drink... So it was kind of like a root beer float, but instead of ice cream and root beer, it would be ice cream and 
grape soda. I know it sounds weird, but it was good. My dad always called it a purple cow. And so then I also thought they were purple cows for a while. I'm talking, I was young. Okay. I was like three or four. So, you know, I hadn't seen all the animals yet. I wasn't sure what was out there. Oh my gosh, that is adorable. I love it. I love that your dad did that to you. (laughs) Oh, of course. Of course. Um, Okay, so the next one is placing the fork inside of the cake or the cupcake. Guys, this is a trend on Instagram and on TikTok, and it is phenomenal. I wish I would have known this when I was teaching (laughs) because I would have so used this. And what it is is that you basically take a fork and you will stab it into the top of your cupcake and then it will lift the cupcake out of the plastic container, which is always so challenging to get those cupcakes out of there without getting icing all over your fingers, right? And then you have like blue, red colored icing all (laughs) over you. (laughs) And then you can just hand it to students and students can then take it. I think this is great. You can reuse that fork or if you want to give them the fork so that they can somewhat delicately try to eat that cupcake. Although I feel like that's irrelevant. Kids just inhale it. Do you know what I mean? They just inhale the cupcake. Um, But this is a really simple way for you to be able to quickly pass out any form of a cake or a cupcake to your students without making a huge mess. Yeah, it works really well, too, if you have like a sheet cake, because then you don't have to try Mm. to take like a knife and like, you know, pull out each individual piece. You just put that fork in there and take it out. Put a fork in her. She's done. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the next hack is really more of just an idea to kind of reframe how you approach holiday activities. And then also like if you're going to give your students gifts, you can consider combining an activity with their gift. I'm going to give you two different examples of this. First of all, I've always been team like experience over physical items. I just think it creates more memories. So within the classroom, within when I taught fourth grade, we used to always do these gingerbread houses. So it was the last thing we would do before winter break. As a team, we would kind of like rent out the cafeteria. So we would check with the front secretary and be like, hey, can we reserve it for this time? And we would have parents donate all of the stuff we needed for gingerbread houses. So that included like plastic or paper plates where they would actually build the gingerbread house on. We would have a bunch of graham crackers, tubs of icing, all the different like little candies in order to decorate it, plastic knives. And then we would have our students plan out their gingerbread houses. And we typically would give them a juice box to drink while they planned it out. And they would keep that juice box and kind of use it to build their gingerbread house around. It would like give some stability to the bottom so they could put their graham crackers up against it. But we would go to the cafeteria and we would just let them go to town. Now, once again, we would typically have like two or three parent volunteers come in and set up all of the different stations with like the candy and the icing and all that. But that activity, I mean, it would take a while between the planning and the building and the cleanup, like all of that. So it was an experience and then they would get to keep their gingerbread house if they wanted it. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they didn't and that's fine. They could trash it. But we typically would have like either gallon baggies that we would put over top of their plate or sometimes just those cheap like grocery store plastic bags and we would put it over top of their plate and then that's what they would take home and that was their gift. And it was like a two in one, which worked out really well. Another one that I love are the saran wrap balls. Have you ever done these, Bridget? I've never done the saran wrap balls. I don't even know what that is. Okay. 
Oh, it is so much fun. So <laughs> essentially you go and get saran wrap or plastic wrap and you get a bunch of little like trinkets or prizes. So like the dollar store is great for this or like bullseyes playground. Typically I would pick something a little bit bigger for like the middle to be the core, like a, a kind of a better prize. And then you start wrapping that item in plastic wrap. And then as you go, you're going to add in some of the other prizes and wrap them under the plastic wrap. So the ball is going to get bigger, like a snowball. And I even create different layers of plastic wrap. So after like three or four prizes, I'll cut the plastic wrap, you know, get it all on there nice and good and put a new piece on because it makes it more challenging. Once you have a pretty decent sized ball, I, I would say mine was usually about a foot in diameter. Then with your students, you have them sit in a circle and I would usually make multiple of these balls. So I'd I'd put them in groups of like six students. They sit in a circle. One student is going to have a pair of dice. So two dice. And then the person to their left is going to have the saran wrap ball. When I would say go, the person with the saran wrap ball is trying to unwrap it as fast as they can. Now they can't just rip into it. They have to take it off like layer by layer. Any prizes that fall out as they're unwrapping the ball, they get to keep like that is their prize. Mm. Meanwhile, the student to the right has the dice. They are rolling them on repeat, trying to roll doubles. As soon as they roll doubles, the person with the saran wrap ball has to pass it to the person who had the dice. And now the dice go to the next person and they start rolling. So I will say there are some rounds where the student doesn't even find the end of the saran wrap. And all of a sudden the person has rolled doubles and like they're done. Oh my gosh. There are other times where they get like three or four prizes because they're just going to town with the saran mm -hmm. wrap ball. But I always talk to my students about how it's, you know, it's random and I would have extra prizes in case a student ended up with nothing. Like it's fine, but it was always so much fun. I would do it group by group and like the rest of the class would watch the group do it. So it would take a good amount of time. They would get all their prizes. I'd usually let them swap prizes at the end if they wanted to. And then those became like their gifts that they got to take away. So I loved that it was yeah. an experience. It was a memory, but they also got some little fun things to take away. Okay, that is freaking cute. I really like the saran wrap. We did the exact same thing with the gingerbread houses, but we did it with uh, milk cartons from the oh, yeah. cafeteria. So the kids would just bring in one of their milk cartons and then that's what they would end up using. But it was such a great activity and I love the gingerbread houses. We also did an ornament day where we had Ooh, yeah. like, different ornaments that we would make. The kids loved it. And it was like a huge, like the entire afternoon sort of situation event. And then I did the sock snowman. Yes, I love right? that one. The sock snowman are so great. And the kids really enjoyed it. So it was like, I, again, am the same way that I am all team experiences versus me just trying to give you something just to give you something. Like I want it to be fun and engaging and exciting for the kids. So. Those are really yeah. great ideas. I love it. Okay. So the last one that we have for you is to complete the rotations with team teachers. Now, this is a really great idea. And if you combined it with like an ornament day, it's even better because you do one rotation over and over and over and over again. And it's also great because you got you have different classes. You're not going to have just your class the entire time. And so you can create a schedule depending on how big your team is. If you're like a team of eight, you might want to divide into four, four. If you are a small team, which is what I had last year, it was a team of four of us. We we just rotated all four classes so we got to see everybody 
And um, everybody had a specific either activity or they had a craft or something that they would be doing inside of the classroom. Last year, we all did ornaments. So everybody did a different Mm. type of ornament. And so they would rotate. You would have them for about 15 to 20 minutes, which I think is like the sweet spot when it comes to it's not too long, not too short. It's like perfect because you're like, let's do the craft. Let's get you out. And then you move on to the next one. And it's nice because you don't have to plan a ton. You plan for that one activity. You make sure you have enough for all four classes and then you're done for the day. And it's a huge like mine would always take the whole afternoon, Michelle. Was yours about the same way? Because I know you did something like this, too. Yeah, we typically would do a little bit longer rotations, like half an hour each. And so it would be like a two hour chunk of time. And I would always pair a book with an activity. Mm. So I would start by reading them like a picture book. That's cute. And then I would have an activity that would go with it. My favorite was reading Snowflake Bentley. And then I would teach them how to make some more like intricate paper snowflakes or like 3D paper snowflakes. And I even did that virtually one year during COVID when we were all online. I was able to do that with the different classes, even through Google Meet, which was really cool. That's so sweet. Yeah, I think our schedule was a hot mess. And so we were not afforded that <laughs> that 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, some years are great. Some years are not when it comes to schedules. And we all know that. Um, but yeah, so complete some rotations with your team teachers. Decide on what you want to do. Everybody can do something a little bit different. But it makes for a really great way to keep your kids engaged and for you to not absolutely lose your mind by the end of the year. So that's all we've got for you for this episode. Please let us know. Either send us a DM on Instagram, send us an email, or if you leave us a review on iTunes, you can include it in there. What did you think of this format where we do kind of just two little mini segments? I personally like it because then we can kind of pack more into each episode and just not go into as much depth, but we would love to know your thoughts. As a quick recap, we talked about setting boundaries and those four reminders were to say no, prioritize self-care, create a buffer, and communicate with your colleagues. And then we jumped into those winter party hacks, which were heating up chocolate milk in a crock pot instead of using milk and cocoa powder, placing the fork in the cake to make it easier to pass out, combine an activity with their gift, and then complete rotations with your team teachers. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you want a chance to be featured in a future episode, head over to our website, teachingonthedouble.com. Click on TSH up at the top. You can submit your own time-sucking hurdle and you might even inspire us for a future episode. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. It's free. It's just a way to tell your podcast platform that you enjoy listening. And a lot of times it will go ahead and download our episodes so they are ready for you to listen every time we drop a new episode, which is every Thursday morning. As I mentioned, we would also love for you to leave us a review, especially if you listen through Apple Podcasts just, you know, give it five stars. If you think it's five stars, hopefully you do let us know what it is you love about the podcast or what you would love to see more of, because we do look at it and truly value that feedback. But until next time, be timely, stay organized and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.